This is Mike Delgadio reading from Atlas Obscura, The Nine Lives of the Spanish Prisoner, The Treasure Dangling Scam That Won't Die, by Eric Schilling. A man in this country receives a letter from a foreign city, reads a New York Times trend story from 1898 about a common scam being carried out by mail. Titled An Old Swindle Revived, the story details how the Spanish prisoner scam generally begins. The writer is always in jail because of some political offense. He always has some large sum of money hid and is invariably anxious that it should be recovered and used to take care of his young and helpless daughter by some honest man. He knows of the prudence and good character of the recipient of the letter through a mutual friend, whom he does not mention for reasons of caution, and appeals to him in time of extremity for help. Postal shakedowns were a simple and sometimes effective way of illicitly separating rich people from their money in the 19th century. What was in it for the Good Samaritan, just opening his mail on a boring day? Well, the sender of the letter is willing to give one-third of the concealed fortune to the man who will recover it, according to the Times. What happens next is the ask. Before the treasure can be recovered, the writer just needs some money sent to him first. The treasure, of course, never materializes. Sound familiar? The so-called Spanish prisoner scam is still around. Just this week, a top Nigerian fraud artist was arrested for his part in carrying out similar swindles via email. And the 1898 Times description of the scam's broad outlines remains remarkably accurate, save for a few technological details. The swindle came to be known as the Spanish prisoner because often the letter writer claimed to be holed up in a Spanish jail, for reasons arising from the Spanish-American War. The letter is written on thin, blue, cross-lined paper, such as is used for foreign letters, and is written as fairly well-educated foreigners write English, with a word misspelled here and there in an occasional foreign idiom, the 118-year-old Times story notes. Modern readers, though, are likely more familiar with its more modern variant, official-looking emails from Nigeria, which ask the recipient to send money, often thousands of dollars, to unlock a massive treasure which has been tied up by government officials or otherwise encumbered in some abstruse way. As in 1898, these entreaties at first blush might seem real, but upon closer inspection hardly hold up. The English is a little broken, and the official seal of some Nigerian government agency doesn't seem quite right. There's an air of too much desperation. And yet, still, people fall for it. Since the conceit of the scam isn't that it will work every time, or even one out of a hundred times, you only need a few suckers, in other words, to make millions. One victim in the U.S. lost $5.6 million to scammers. The recently arrested Nigerian spam kingpin was said to have hauled in around $60 million in ill-gotten gains. But even in the days when you had to handwrite letters, the scam was astonishingly successful. Eugène-Francoise Vidoc, who is called the father of criminology, documented in his memoirs a version of it perpetrated by prisoners in early 19th century France. This was well before the Spanish-American War, when the scheme was then known as Letters from Jerusalem. Vidoc, who, before he founded France's civilian police corps, was a criminal himself, saw firsthand the letters while he was imprisoned in jail in Bicetra in rural France. Sir, you will doubtlessly be astonished at receiving a letter from a person unknown to you, one such letter began, according to Vidoc's recollection. The structure of this letter is savvy. Before unleashing his tale of woe, the writer offers the carrot first, a casket containing 16,000 francs in gold as well as diamonds, which the writer says he and his master were forced to leave behind after they were detained while traveling.
Having laid out the stakes, he continues, writing of his eventual supposed imprisonment, before, finally, the ask, which in this case is very subtle. I beg to know if I cannot, through your aid, obtain the casket in question and get a portion of the money which it contains. I could then supply my immediate necessities and pay my counsel, who dictates this and assures me that by some presence I could extricate myself from this affair. Vidoc wrote that 20% of such letters received some kind of reply, and in some cases prisoners made hundreds of francs from the letters, which were tacitly allowed by jailers, who would also take a cut. Fast forward nearly 200 years to the 1980s, when scammers in Nigeria began to send reams of paper letters to people across the world. By the 1990s, they used fax machines, and by the late 1990s, had switched to email. In the most recent case, a man known only as Mike was arrested, according to the BBC.